Well, good morning, everyone. You can make your way back to your seats. I know it's awesome to talk to our friends, and I love it too. I would do that for the whole service if I was allowed to, but I don't think I think I would get in trouble. So, cool. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. It is so cold outside. I am going to tell you something that I've said so many times before, but I hate winter. I hate winter in Maine. Winter's the worst. And if you disagree with me, you are wrong. Winter is not a good season. But if you like winter, I'm sorry, and I will pray for you. Um, but I do love the Christmas season, so it's cool. See, if, if I had my way, we'd get snow, a light flurry on Christmas Eve, and it would be covered on Christmas Day, and then it would all melt, and it would be, I mean, 60 would even be great throughout the winter. So thank you. All right, if we all pray together... What's going on here? Obviously, none of you are praying hard enough because I have been. All right. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Zach. I'm the associate pastor. Uh, I'm not the guy that's usually up here, but Pastor Craig is on vacation with his family. They went up, they went up north to where it was colder for Thanksgiving into a cabin uh, that had no, like, the no electricity. Oh, no, it had electricity, but it had no Wi-Fi or anything. That would be awesome. But it was so cold, he said. So he, he called me when he was driving back on Saturday. He said, hey, we're on our way back. I said, I thought you were gone till Monday. He goes, yeah, we were. <laughs> I said, oh, cool. I said, so does that mean you're preaching? He goes, <laughs> I said, oh, okay. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Um, it's a great series to listen to. Like, to be down there where you are, I've been like, yeah, amen, and it's been awesome, and it's been really convicting, and I, the whole time I was expecting that Pastor Craig was going to be preaching the whole series, and then he said, hey, would you preach on December 1st? And I said, sure, and I had this whole idea of what I wanted to do, and he goes, yeah, we're still going to be in Radical. I said, oh, Cool. Um, because if you've been here, you know why that was my reaction. Uh, this has been a really convicting series to, to listen to. Um, and then I kept telling myself, I'm so glad it's him and not me. Because um, people can get angry with him. I'm the fun one. Um, so then God said, hey, here you go. So I, I am really excited about giving you this message. We, we talked about it in first service. And this is really convicting for myself. I want to start off by telling you that all the stuff that you hear from us up here, uh, we're not telling you all of this um, under the assumption that we figured it all out, because we haven't. And this is a great example. All, all week, I've just been like, uh, you know that feeling when like you know that something is meant for you specifically? And so the whole week, I've been preparing this message, and I'm like, man... This is for, I shouldn't be preaching this. I should be listening to this. So um, I listened to it in first service while I preached it. So now I have it all figured out if you have any questions afterwards. I, I don't actually have it all figured out. Listen, we're all on a journey together, right? So I just want you to know that um, it's going to be a journey that we're taking together. And I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to all of you today. Because God has something specific that he wants you to hear. You're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. So I want to pray for you before we even get started. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you that you are good. And I thank you for every single person that is here today. And I pray that you will help us to have our hearts open to what you have to say to us today. Lord, this series has been so convicting for so many people, but we know that you're speaking through it and we know that our lives are transforming because of what you're doing in our midst, Lord. So help us to not just keep it here, but to bring it out. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the title of the message, um, well, Radical is the title of the series, Taking You Back Your Faith in the American Dream, and it's not been a comfortable series to hear uh, because it turns everything that we do on our heads, and it's been, like I said, it's been awesome. But today we're talking about the way for the nations, and what are we actually supposed to be going out and telling people? What truth are we supposed to be giving to people? Because it's easy for us to say, uh, you need to make sure that you're telling people God's truth, but it's not so easy when we don't know what God's truth is. So um, David Platt wrote the book Radical, and this introduction is from the book. It says, all major world religions make exclusive claims to the way of salvation. However, in America, an imbalanced idea of tolerance has made such claims out to be ridiculous and arrogant. So I don't know if you've noticed that, but if, you, if you're talking to somebody and you have a different opinion than what they have, uh, then you are made out to be intolerant or arrogant or you're wrong. Uh, is Sean, where's Sean? Uh, okay, well, he's not in here, but listen, Sean, I will t I, I, he, he knows I'm going to say this, but if you argue with Sean at all, you are wrong. Um, and I told you you were wrong about winter, but Sean, really, his opinion is the, is the opinion. So it's, it's fact, apparently. Um, and he'll, he'll be the first to tell you that, so I'm not just saying something bad about him. Um, but that being said, you know, you know those people that you talk to them and you have a different opinion than they do and they say, no, actually, that's wrong because this is my opinion. Or they say, yeah, that's cool. You do you, I'll do me, and we'll all just live happy, right? Have you heard that, like, have you heard that phrase, you do you? Um, and it's easy to go around and say, okay, you just live your life. I'm going to live my life. We'll all live together and then someday we'll all be in heaven together because it's going to be great. It's warm and fuzzy. Um, it's really difficult to speak the truth when the truth is widely regarded as intolerant. And unfortunately, the Bible, God's truth, God's word, is widely regarded by the world as intolerant, right? Because people want to do what they want to do. In the face of such philosophies and behavior, Christ followers often consider religion to be a personal preference instead of truth. But Christ has chosen his church to be the way his salvation is made known. Because even if you're in here and you say, well, I know what the truth is, and I know that Jesus is the only way to heaven, which we're going to get into, but we don't tell people that, or we don't live like that, then we're not doing our job. Because Christ has chosen, literally chosen his church, and not this church, not faith, not the church in Augusta, not the church in Portland, his church, the church, to be the ones that are going and telling his truth. And... He's chosen us to be the um, to let people know what the way to salvation is. So, the first point today says Jesus charges his followers to remain in his truth and mission with expectation. We're in the book of John, chapter fourteen, verses one through six. In case you want to follow along, we'll be jumping around to a few different scriptures as well. But this is where the meat of what we're talking about is. But John fourteen one through two says, "Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me." In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and they're, they're, they're just sitting together. This is before he's been crucified. So um, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And they say, okay, that's cool. He assures his disciples that they must trust him as they trust God. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Because his ascension would not negate the truth or power of his message. 
So this is before he's been crucified. And so they needed to hear this because when he died on the cross for that three days, what, what were they thinking? They were probably, we know that they were sitting and just devastated, right? Because of what just happened. The guy who they'd been learning from, who they'd been following, just died. And the message that he had preached just died with him. So they had that to go. But then when he came back to life, then his message was just reborn with him, right? And then Jesus, a little a short time later, goes back up to be in heaven with God. And Jesus says that if it were not so, I would have to, I would, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He told them, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. It was encouragement for them. He asserts that heaven is real and he's preparing for his followers to be there. But the key here is that he tells his followers to trust him, trust in the truth of his word, that um, what he says is true. And so he was encouraging them. And we'll get into the rest of what the scripture says in a little bit. But just keep that in mind as we're going forward, that the, the meat here is to trust him and that he asserts that heaven is real and that he's preparing a place for his followers to be there. So the most common question, well, one of the most common questions for Christians to ask, can anybody do you, just think about it for a second? What's one of the most common questions that a Christian asks themselves? I believe that it is, what is God's purpose for my life? Has anybody here ever asked that? What's God's purpose for my life? What does God want me to do? What am I here on earth for? What, is, uh, what, what am I created to do? Um, and it's easy to get caught up in wanting to know what God wants from us. Uh, whether it's, you know, maybe God has placed in my heart a, a burden for doing music, and so I want to play guitar, maybe that's what God's called me to do. Or maybe I'm really good with kids, so I'm supposed to be a teacher, and that's what God's called me to do. Or maybe I'm really good at, and, uh, with people in general, and maybe I'm supposed to be in the ministry, and that's what God's called me to do. But I have awesome news for you. Are you ready for it? If you're ready, say ready. The awesome news is that we already know what God has called us to do, and that's that he commands us to go into the world and make disciples. That is the general purpose that God has for our lives. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So that was a command that Jesus gave his, his followers before he left. That was the command. Go into the world and make disciples. So that's what we're here on earth for, right? And it's going to look different for everybody. You know, you might have different gifts than the other person does. And that's where it gets down to, okay, what has God created me to do? But the general aim, the general purpose of what God's created us to do is to go into the world and make disciples. Not just go into the world, tell people about Jesus and walk away, and then go tell another person about Jesus and walk away. But making disciples means um, telling people about Jesus and then helping them to follow him, right? So in order to do that, it's going to take knowing what he says in his word and following that. Because if we don't know what the truth is and we don't know what he says, then how are we going to tell people what the truth is and what he says? Am I right? Cool. I know Pastor Craig says this a lot, but are you listening? Cool. Um, so... How do we know what he says in his word? What do we do in order to, to uh, download that information into our brains? What do we have to do? We have to open our Bible or a Bible app, depending on if you have it on your phone. Um, so how do we know what he says? We have to open our Bible and then we have to read it. We can't explain the truth to people unless we know what the truth is ourselves. 
And a lot of Christians will take half-truths that they see on memes on the internet or on inspirational scripture verses that are posted online. And if this steps on your toes, I'm really sorry. Um, and if you do that, that's okay. It's, 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 fine to have those, it's fine to have those things. But a lot of times, people will go online and they'll say, oh, this is cool, I'm going to share this, and that's, that's my duty for the day. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go and live my life however I want to live it. Or they'll read that Bible verse and say, sweet, I don't have to read my Bible today because I saw that verse online. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And then they walk and just they start doing whatever they need to do. But that's not what God calls us to do. Or even further, you could have the Bible app. And if you open it up, the first thing is the verse of the day. So it's easy to get into the trap of, okay, I'm going to read the verse of the day. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And then you put it in your pocket and you just walk away. Listen. In order to know what the truth is, we need to actually get into the Word. We need to actually open our Bibles, and we need to read it, and we need to ask God to speak directly to us. Because we're not going to be effective in telling people what, the word, what His Word is. We're not going to be effective in telling people the truth unless we are actively living it out. And we can't actively live it out unless we know what it says. Right? Cool. So, the only way we're going to know God's truth is reading it for ourselves. The next point, Christ's followers can expect to live with him eternally in God's dwelling place, which is awesome. John 14, 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. See, Jesus assured his disciples he would return for them to live with him in the presence of God. And that sounds amazing, right? I cannot wait to go, and all I have to worry about is praising God. All I have to worry about is being up there and praising Jesus and being there with him and not worrying about anything at all. There's no sadness. There's nothing. There's just being in the presence of the Lord and being filled with that joy. And that sounds amazing, right? So think back to when Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. If he loved these guys, why didn't he just take them with him when he went? Right? If he wants to be with them and he, want, like, he wants um, them to be with him, then why wouldn't he just take them in the first place? Because the mission that needed to happen wasn't done yet. And the mission was to tell the whole world about Jesus and tell the whole world what he did. Tell the whole world the truth. And that wasn't done yet. It was done for a few people, but there's a whole world out there. And guess what? It's not done yet. And it's really easy for people to sit here and say, man, this world is hard. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just ready. I'm ready. Uh, whenever Jesus wants to take me, come on, Lord. Whenever you want to take me, I'm ready. Right? And we can get so caught up in looking forward, and it's awesome. We should be looking forward. But that we miss that God has a plan for us right now, right here. And if you're in this room and your heart is beating and you're breathing, raise your hand. Tasha? No? All right. <laughs> Wow, it's <laughs> cool. Listen, if you just raised your hand, God still has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. And he's not done with you yet. And he's not, he's not done with the world yet. Listen, there are so many people out there that don't know who Jesus is. There's a lot of people in here. That's awesome. I'm so glad to see you all. There's a lot of people at Faith this morning. There's a lot of people at Central and Augusta this morning. There's a lot of people at Kennebec Valley Baptist Church down the road. There's a lot of people in church, but there's a lot more people not in church this morning. And it's not about church, right? It's about the heart. And there's a lot more people out there who don't know who Jesus is. But I'm going to tell you something. 
Just because they don't know who Jesus is doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for their lives. God has a plan for every single person, but they need to know who he is before they get that plan. And there's so many people living hopeless lives, living in despair, not knowing what they're here for. And maybe they're not even living in despair. Maybe they're just living their lives and they think that what their purpose is, whatever, insert whatever it is here. But the true purpose is for people to know and love God and to be with him. So just because people out there don't know who he is doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for, the, for them. So I'm so glad that you're all here, and I'm so glad that God has a plan for all of you, and I hope you're excited that God has a plan for you. But we also need to understand and realize that there are so many people out there that God has a plan for that don't know it yet. And it's whose job to tell them? I mean, a lot of people would say, it's the pastor's job. That, that's why I'm here. That's why I bring people here, so they can hear it from you. Right? And it's good to bring people, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. It's good to invite people to church, and it's good to bring people to church so that they can hear God's truth. But it takes more than that. It takes somebody else coming along beside them and saying, hey, let me help you walk this path. Let me help you walk and understand what this truly means. So David Platt says in his book Radical that there is an idea called practical universalism. In practical universalism, one believes that all religions are practically the same, that you'll get to heaven as long as you believe in something. So we know, of course, that this isn't true, but so many Christians live with this mindset, and it stops them from spreading the gospel, at least with any sort of urgency. So you might not believe that, uh, that everything there's multiple paths to heaven, but do we live like there aren't multiple paths to heaven? There's one way. Jesus said there's one way, that what I am the way, right? We'll get into that in a second. Jesus says, I am the way. And if we're not living like that and, and, and helping people to understand that, then we're not doing our jobs. And there is a huge sense of urgency to help people to understand that. And I know it can be scary. I know you might have people in your lives. Again, I'm telling you today, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. I have people in my life that I love so much. I love people. I just love people. I love to spend time with people. I love to have relationships with people. Um, so I have people in my life that aren't saved, and they're on what you would call the other end of the spectrum. They just don't care, or they don't want anything to do with church because either they've been burned by church, or the lifestyle they're living doesn't match up with what we with what we preach. And so it's scary to bring this idea to them that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and then beyond that. Jesus being the only way to heaven, but that we have God's word that we're supposed to live by. And not just because, not just out of guilt, not because we're part of some club that we're going to get kicked out of if we uh, mess up, but because we're part of God's family and God is our heavenly father and God loves us so much. And if God loves us, then we want to show our appreciation, our love to him by obeying his word, right? And, but that's really scary to tell people that have, want nothing to do with it. So what do we do when we're scared? What do we do when we're afraid that we're going to lose those relationships? I love these people. I don't want to lose their, my relationship with them. So what do we do in that situation? Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What will you receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? 
And I've, I've said this to kids before, it's not some sort of superpower. You're not going to learn how to fly or you're not going to have super strength. It'd be great if you would, but this power is so much better. Power to go out and be my witnesses, be the witness and, and go out and share the truth with people when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So if we're scared and we're holding back, and we're like, I don't know, then you have to ask yourself, have I been filled with the Spirit and am I constantly being filled with the Spirit? Because if, we, if, we're, if we're holding back and we're afraid to tell people what the truth is because the truth is the best thing ever and this is why we're really here, then what are we doing? So we need to ask ourselves, am I being filled with the Spirit constantly? And if I'm not, how can I? It's sim as simple as asking for it. Lord, help me. Fill me with your Spirit. And the more you ask, the more He'll do it. The more you're in, your, your, more you're in His Word, the more He'll fill you with the Spirit. And the more you get filled, the more it will just pour out. And then you won't be able to help but tell people about who He is. Uh, Tim Mullen is one of my favorite people. And he, I love hearing his stories about the people that he comes in contact with. He's so filled with the Spirit that people can just see it all over him. And they ask him, what, what about Jesus? Like, you must love God. You, well, tell me about your church. Tell me about God. And it's awesome. And Tim, you're such an encouragement to me. Um, but I know so many people like that. And, but me, if I'm, not in, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I can stand there and go, man, I, it's, good, it's good to be able to do that, but it's just really scary because I love these people and I don't want to lose my relationship with them. But if I truly love them, then why would I not tell them about the truth? I need to tell them the truth. Otherwise, I don't really love them because I want to be with them forever. I want them to celebrate with me in heaven I want them to live a life of freedom, right? And freedom only comes from Jesus. So, uh, David Platt, again, we're, we're basing this off the book Radical by David Platt, but he talks about um, his friends who are missionaries. And they were talking to a family in an unreached people group in Southeast Asia. And, oh, hey, there's Sean. I, I said bad things about you, but it's okay. I told them you were aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so he was, his friend was a missionary in Southeast Asia. And when we talk about unreached people groups, we mean that there are groups of people uh, that don't know who Jesus, who've never heard the name of Jesus, who, who aren't reached with the gospel. That's crazy to me to think about. But I've been to Guatemala four times. I love going to Guatemala. Natasha's been there once. And I, I know there's people in this room who have been on the mission trips to Guatemala or, or Rwanda. Um, but I love going to Guatemala. It's one of my favorite things. And um, it's crazy to me. Every time we go, you have to get into this like, bus, and you're all cramped up, and uh, you know my, my knees are up to my chest, and um, so I'm just riding. And it's an eight-hour bus ride up the windy mountains. And then once you get there, you're in this village called Campoor. So eight hours away from Guatemala City, four hours outside the nearest city. Um, so you're in this little village called Campoor, and there's a lot of people there. And then every day you go even deeper into the mountains, into different schools. And then there are some people that are on the mission trips that go even deeper in, uh, past these schools into what they call the interior, where there's just so many people, like pockets and villages of people who have never heard the gospel. And so they get to hear about Jesus for the first time. And it's still crazy to me that there are parts of the world that... that don't know about who Jesus is. So David Platt's friend is talking to this family in this unreached people group in Southeast Asia. And once they're done talking, he gets invited to their home for dinner. And when it's time for dinner, the family brings, out, brings them out a drink in a Coke can. Okay? So a can of Coke they, they have for him. And it made him realize, wow, this is a group of people who have never heard about Jesus. But 
they have Coca-Cola in their home. So a couple things. Number one, I love Coca-Cola. Please don't sue me, Coca-Cola. Um, I, I really do. I, I love Coca-Cola. It's my favorite drink in the whole entire world, even more than coffee. And uh, it's terrible for you. It, like, I know. I know. Listen. Listen. I'm telling you, if I can't be real with you up here, then who can I be real with? Okay. So I love Coca-Cola. I know it poisons my body every single time I put it in there. I get it, okay? And I, I tell myself at least three times a year, I'm going to stop drinking Coke for good this time, get rid of it all, go on a diet or whatever, and I feel great, and I, feel, I have so much energy. And, and then, uh, you know, a couple months later, I'll come home with a 12-pack of Coke and try to sneak it into the fridge. And Tasha will look at me and be like, is that Coke? And I say, stop judging me, as I put it into the fridge. And then, and then I make the excuse, I'm going to share it with my friends, and I never share it with my friends because why would, well, except for Owen. I give Coke to Owen sometimes. Why would I share it with my friends when I could have it all to myself? So I know. <laughs> Coke is terrible for you. But here's the thing. Coke really knows how to market because even in Kampur, I went to the, the, this, this village in eight hours outside the city in Guatemala. You go to the store, and they sell Coke. They sell chips. The, the brand name. It's crazy. The, and then these people who are part of a group of people who have never heard about Jesus in their entire lives, like they know what Coke is. They buy it and they drink it. A, a factory in Atlanta, Georgia is where Coke is made, and this is shipped out into all these parts of the world. So is this a testament to the, mar the miraculous marketing power of Coca-Cola, or is it a wake-up call to us as believers to share God's word with the world? Because if Coca-Cola can do this, and they can get out there to people that have never heard, like, they have no business knowing what Coca-Cola is. How did Coke even know that these people existed? Okay? And we, we don't think about that here in America. We don't think about all the different groups of people out there that there are. Coke does, but we don't. And we say, yeah, we send missionaries. It's cool. Like you go, you go to Paraguay and you reach that group of people and I'll pray for you and I'll send you a $20 check a month. That's great. You go to Guatemala and you tell people about Jesus and praise the Lord. That's awesome what you're doing. But the amount of missionaries going out into the world, there's not enough. There's not enough for the, for the whole world to know who Jesus is. And our mission is to go out into the world and make disciples, Right? And that goes right back to what I said earlier, that God has a plan for every single person out there. I'm not saying that everybody in here is called to be a missionary abroad. I know I'm not. I know I'm here. I know I'm in Waterville because I love my city, and I've, I've lived here my whole life, and I love telling people about who Jesus is. I, love, um, I, I just love our city, and I know that this is where we're called. And you might feel the same way. But there are people out there who don't know who Jesus is who are called to be missionaries. There are people out there who are supposed to go and tell the whole world and tell these unreached people groups about Jesus, but they don't know who Jesus is, so how can they go tell people about him? So then whose job is it to tell these people? Whose job is it to help train these people up and to raise them up so that they can go and make disciples? It's our job, right? It's our job. So you might not be called to even short-term missions, but there are people out there who are, and you might be called to reach them so that they can go and reach people. Make sense? All right. So the third point, that God provided Jesus as the 
only way, everybody say only way, to be in a relationship with God and live with him eternally. John 14, 4 through 6 says, And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some people come to the Father except through Jesus. No one. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus informed his disciples that God had already revealed the way to God's presence. Okay, they were probably confused. They're like, okay, so how do we get there? What's the end goal? How do we get there? And Jesus says, it's through me. Jesus clearly stated that he was the exclusive way to have access to a holy God as the fulfillment of the law, and he alone gives eternal life. That's the only way to get to heaven. So if we're telling people that there's a different truth out there, that's right. Hey, what you doing? Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. This was just really bothering me because it's in the middle and it just should not be there. So I was going to move it. Out of all the things in the middle of the stage, this is what's bothering you? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was sitting there and it was just in the way. So I just figured I'd, I'd move it so that it didn't distract anybody. Holy cow, how'd you move that tree? That's a big tree. How'd what? That it's a tree? Oh. I, I didn't, Holy I didn't, Jesus. why did you Excuse put me. a tree on the stage? What, were you born in the north or something? That's not a tree. Oh, what is it? That's a backpack. What? It's a backpack. Get off. Get off. A backpack. Okay. But, okay. Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh, so that's oh my gosh. What, what are you doing to that yeah. puppy? What? Put it what? down. Are you from the south? What? what? It's a puppy? It's a puppy. I thought it was look a tree. It. Look, it's so, it's so cute. And then, so, look at his little paws and his. How are you wearing a dog? I'm not sure. Uh, okay. I don't, know how you I, did don't worry, guys. I got this. So Lunatics. Okay. I'm going to name you Rover. Can I show you guys Rover. something real quick? Hi. Excuse me. Okay. Excuse me. This is a chair. A chair? A chair. We can name him chair. A back. A seat. Four <laughs> legs. You oh, no. Sit no. in it. No. Wait. No. No. Not but alive. She's the backpack. Not a dog. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how she did that, but this, this is a chair. It's a, it's a chair. A chair. Yeah. It's a chair. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's a chair. It just looks like a Great. Dog. All right. Cool. Thank, thank, thank you, everyone. Give them a hand, whatever they were doing. All right. Hopefully you got the point of that. Truth is not relative. It is absolute. What is this? Chair. It's a chair. No matter how much Isaac wanted to believe it was a dog or Anna Michelle wanted to believe it was her backpack or Owen wanted to break his neck on it, it was not a tree or a backpack or a dog. It is a chair. Jesus is the only way to heaven. That is the truth. There's no, there's no looking for it elsewhere, okay? No matter what people say around you and say, well, I understand that's what you believe and that's cool for you, but my way to heaven is just to be as kind as I can to people. That's great. That's very noble. But if you're just really kind to people and totally ignore the fact that there's a heavenly father who loves you and that the only way to heaven is to admit that you are a sinner and that, uh, that you believe in his son and that his son died on the cross, you're not going to get there, right? It's not about works. It's not about the things that we do. It's about believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and that's the only way to get to heaven. So, again, I know that's not easy to talk about, 
And I know that's not easy to tell people. And I know that you might ruffle some feathers. But Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So the wide gate, the easy way to go is just to say, Yep, you believe what you're going to believe. I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I won't say that too loud. Praise the Lord. And not, not uh, having any conflict with people, right? But it is so urgent. It is so urgent that we share the truth with other people. Because there are so many hurting people out there that don't know how to get out of the rut that they're in. They don't know that there's a Heavenly Father who loves them, that wants to heal them, that wants them to live, have life and have it abundantly. And that's awful. And again, I'm speaking to myself as well, that I know there are so many people out there. And they can look at your experiences, and it's easy to say, yeah, God healed me. God healed me from anxiety, and he helped me not to have panic attacks anymore, and he helped me to get through that. And people look at you and they say, okay, so you got through that how? And if I don't tell them it was because of God, it was because that he healed me, then it's all for naught. I could say, oh, I worked really hard and I met with a counselor. Or I could say, it's the healing power of Jesus. And God placed these things in my life to help me through it. So the wide gate is the way to just tell people, do whatever you want. But the narrow gate, the way that's hard, is the right way. It leads to life. The wide gate leads to destruction. And I don't want to lead people down a path of destruction. Life is too short for that. Right? So we need to, we need to reevaluate how we're living. And we need to say, which way am I going? Am I going through the wide gate and just saying everybody can do whatever they want and I love you anyway? Or because that's not true love. That's not loving people. That's just helping them to do whatever they want to do and leading them down a path to hell. Or are, you, are we going to say, I'm going to go through the narrow gate, I'm going to have the hard conversations, but it's not me that's going to have those conversations. It's God working through me. It's God downloading his spirit into me. Got it? So I know it takes a balance of loving people and where they're at. Like, we have to do that. We can't just go out there and say, you are a sinner and you're going to hell. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, and they're going to shut off right away. Okay? So that's not what we need to, um, that's not what we're wanting to do. <laughs> we need to make sure that we're loving people where they're at, but then speaking the truth in love. And maybe that does mean inviting them to church, and that's awesome. We want you to invite people to church, but we can only do so much with the new here area and with connecting with people. It's going to take a whole congregation of people to help us with that. Because if you invite somebody to church, but you don't follow up with them, and you don't help them to understand what they heard, then it might be good for them to hear, and they might say, oh, that was nice. But if you bring somebody to church, then it's your responsibility to help them walk that path. And maybe you say, well, I'm a, really, I'm a new believer. I have a hard time with it. I don't even understand it all myself. That's okay. That's what we're here for. We have a whole church of people that want to help you. We have a whole church of people that want to help you walk people that you love through that journey. And we're not just going to leave you hanging. Because this is what we're called to do. We're called to go out into the world and make disciples. Not called to go out into the world, tell people they're sinners, and then walk away. Go out into the world and make disciples. 
Another thing, this time of year, it's really easy to invite people to church. Baby Jesus is a lot more user-friendly than Jesus who died on a cross, right? <laughs> it's a lot easier to say, hey, Jesus was born this season. Well, come to church. And on December 22nd, we have an awesome kids program. And I, I want to invite you to see it because they're so cute. You're going to love it. And people can come to church and they can say, wow, that was great. Those kids were adorable. And that message was really inspiring. And then just like go off and do their own thing and not come back to church again until Easter. We don't want that to happen. If you invite somebody to church for Christmas, then follow up with them. If you invite somebody to church with Christmas and you don't, for Christmas and you don't know what to say to them after, reach out to us. And we'll find somebody to help you. So, as we're wrapping up, the world is going to tell people that what they believe is right and true. That's what the world's going to do. But who is going to tell the world the real truth? Because they're out there and they're getting so many messages and the reason why people are where they're at today is because they're getting downloaded with so much uh, junk that doesn't make sense. And a lot of it's contradicting to each other. So who's going to help guide them back to the truth? And church, that's our responsibility. It's not just this church's responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. That's what we're called to do. So... David Platt also says that in his book, we, we also live in a society that wants to call into question God's justice and love if it's asserted that he would dare not save all of humankind. You've heard that before, right? How could a just and loving God do this? Scenarios are presented in which humans are the victims of a vindictive, impatient, or judgmental, or wrathful God. The reality, though, is that God is the victim because we abandon him. We deserve no recourse and no rescue and no redemption. Yet because of his great justice and love, he made a way. The way that humankind might be able to know him and come to dwell with him forever. We abandoned him, but he loved us enough to make that way for us to be with him forever. Those of us who have experienced his salvation now jump in joy and celebration for what he's done for us. However, we also accept a great responsibility to make sure the word gets out so that we carry his message of redemption to a lost and dying world. Again, we can jump up and down and say, thank you, God, for healing me. Thank you for working in my life. Thank you for all the things that you've given to me. But if we don't go out and share that with people, it's not good. <laughs> we need to make sure that we are sharing that, that freedom with people. If we're walking in that freedom, why wouldn't we want everybody else to walk in that freedom? If we know what our purpose is, why wouldn't we want everybody in the world to know what their purpose is? And if you're saying, I'm just scared, that's okay. We can help you through that. But it's not even us that can help you through that. You need to pray for the Spirit to fill you up so that you're not scared anymore. Because it is getting too late. We can't afford to be scared anymore to tell people the truth, the real truth. Not just what they want to hear. And not just the half-truth. And not just sharing a, a verse on Facebook and hoping that people read it. We need to make sure that we are living our lives with that truth. So Christ clearly made the claim that he was the only way to have a relationship with God and the only way to live eternally with him. He's chosen his followers on earth to continue in this truth and in his mission to spread his truth to the nations. He's chosen you. That's a big responsibility, but it's also really awesome. I am honored that he's chosen me to spread his word to other people. And not just because I'm up here on this stage. I love all of you, and I love being able to share God's word with you. 
But it's not just my responsibility. It's, just not, it's not just Pastor Craig's responsibility. It's all of us. All of us have that responsibility to not only go and share God's word and invite people to church and evangelize, but then to help them walk through what that means. To go and make disciples. Why don't you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. And remember, it's, a, it's an easy time of year. Like, I think it's good that this fell on this week because it's an easy time of year to invite people to church. Everybody's in a, in a festive mood. Everybody's singing Christmas carols anyway. So it's, it's, a soft, like it's a soft launch to what they're going to be hearing because you want to invite them in so that they can hear the word. And then it's your responsibility to follow up with that, right? So let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you that you are good. And I thank you for every single person that's here today, and I pray a special blessing over all of them. Lord, I thank you that um, you have given us such a big responsibility to go out into the world, to make disciples, to share your truth with other people. So, Lord, I pray that you will help us not to be scared. I pray that you'll forgive us for where we've lacked. Forgive us for being uh, afraid to, to share your truth with people. Forgive us for not uh, doing what, what we have been called to do. So, Lord, I pray for your spirit to just fall on every single person that's here. Help them to understand truly your love for them so that, that they can share your love with others. Fill us up, God. We love you. We praise you. We give all of this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, everyone. I hope you have a great week, and we will see you next week. Remember, not next week, but the week after, 10 a.m.